As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and everything we do at Major Spoilers. You can show your support by becoming a member and keeping this show going and everything we do by going to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Again, thank you for your support. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, a mysterious ship leads Tintin and friends to a mystery. The West Coast Avengers wrap it all up. Superman faces down Leviathan. And Rodrigo once again reminds us that he's always angry. And that's his secret. But he is ready to smash. We're ready to play the secret chord, to say the secret word, to plunk the magic twanger and roll out the barrel. So don't crush that dwarf. Hand me that piano and hang on for dear life, because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 826 of the Major Spoilers podcast. What did you say? Plunk that ma magic twanger? Plunk the magic twanger, Froggy. Mm, okay. That's I, thought, I thought he lived by the sea. No, you're thinking of, <laughs> damn you. <laughs> Why do you always have to one up my jokes with effortless precision? Let us get to some <laughs> oh. news. So this week, a lot of, a lot of things people are talking about this week, right? I know people, oh, people are going to ask, where's Ashley at this week? Where's Ashley at this week? Well, I just want everyone to remember, Ashley is one of the cool people. She's yeah. one of the important people in the industry uh, uh. because she is at a press screening tonight of the Avengers Endgame. The big uh, movie had its Hollywood debut last night with all the big stars and everything. But tonight, uh, the press and everyone else is out there. Word is this is going to break all sorts of box office records. A lot of people going to be excited. I may or may not get to see it. More on that eh, in a few days. But anyway, other news items that are happening this week. Gotham comes to an end. I think this week is maybe the final week or we're getting close to the fin uh, series finale of Gotham. And we're going to get to see Batman finally make an appearance. Uh, today, Mortal Kombat 11 arrives. And you can go beat him up and say, come here and all that other cool stuff. And the Jiminy Man trailer finally arrives with the good old Will Smith versus Will Smith. Let's roll that uh, magic uh, wheel of fortune. We're going to plunk the magic twanger. Burr, plunk burr, burr, your burr. magic twanger, everybody. And uh, let's see where this goes. Lands on three. And it lands on three. The Jiminy Man trailer has arrived. From what Gemini. I can tell, I don't know. When I was a kid and all those early uh, NASA people were always talking about the Jiminy missions to the moon and out into space. I will find you, Stephen. Yeah. So anyway. Is what I can Wait, from the Bahamas? Yes. Not Bimini. <laughs> <laughs> what I can tell from this movie, Rodrigo, uh -huh. is that there's an old version of Will Smith right. who's hunting a young version of Will Smith. And we find out that the young Will Smith is a clone of the old Will Smith because old Will Smith is the greatest assassin in the world. And they wanted to clone him because the young Will Smith, they can make better, stronger, faster, and no emotions. Am I missing something there in, in what you got from the trailer? No, that seems about right. Although I'll, I kind of checked out uh, from the trailer once we tumbled into the Uncanny Valley. Oh, man. I know that people are all excited about this de-aging process that Hollywood can do. We can make you look like you did when you were 18 because we have all these pictures of you. And especially with people like uh, um, Michael Douglas 
and um, Samuel L. Jackson and Will Smith. I mean, we literally have probably 10,000 hours of Will Smith growing up as the uh, as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that we can scan and reference and model and then lay that on top of his head and and CGI it in. And Michael Douglas was the same way in Ant-Man and in the other yeah. movies. Samuel L. Jackson and Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, Samuel L. Jackson and Captain Marvel kind of freaked me out a little bit. There was something about the very tip of his nose that just didn't look right. But then here in, in uh, Gemini Man, what's the word I'm looking for? Rough and hard and plastic? Is that the is that what I'm looking for? I mean, it doesn't look like a face. It looks like... An animatronic face. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I kind of feel like um, there are probably two different techniques here. Uh, there is the Marvel Studios technique, which is pretty good, I would say. I'd say Michael Douglas looks pretty good. Yep. Say Samuel L. Jackson looks pretty good. And and really with the Michael Douglas stuff and the Robert Downey Jr. in uh, what was it? Uh, Age of Ultron. That yep. looks really good. And up until the Samuel L. Jackson stuff, really part of what makes it look really good is that um, it's sparse. You don't you don't really spend a whole movie looking at it. In mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, you kind of do, and that's really where the seams start to show. Yeah. On the other hand, I think you have a different technique, which is what they use for uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia. In, yeah, where they're all basically CG Wars. replacements. Yeah, they're yeah. entirely CGI, and and it. And it shows they it looks like all of a sudden uh, you walked into a very, very high end cutscene for a PlayStation 4 <laughs> game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what Gemini, Gemini Man looks like. Gemini Man. Man. I I am not as bothered by Samuel L. Jackson, but I am bothered by the Gemini Man, young Will Smith. Not so much that he doesn't look human, that his face doesn't look like it's attached to the rest of his head. I mean, there are moments where you're like, oh, we're panning across, and it's like, that, that's Will Smith, but it's like someone wearing an ill-fitting Will Smith mask. <laughs> a, life, a life face mask, one of those uh, right. synthetic have, masks that you can go buy that looks super real. Have you real. guys ever seen the Twilight Zone episode where the guy hates people so much? And he's played by Shelley Berman, and I can't remember the name of the character. But there's a scene where Shelley Berman, it's the mind and the matter. That's what it is. Shelley Berman steps onto an elevator, and there are 12 people in the elevator all wearing big rubber Shelley Berman masks. Yeah. Mm. And it's obvious that they're big rubber Shelley Berman masks, and the real Shelley Berman in the front part is just like, Hi, how are you? I'm the real Shelley Berman. These are my aliens that are going to eat me as soon as these doors close. That's what I get from looking at this young Will Smith head. It's like yeah. he's wearing wearing a faceplate. So let me ask you this. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, technology allows us to do these things, and it looks pretty good. And, and granted, what we're seeing with this de-aging process in television and film is incredible. I mean, simply incredible. Go back and look at Willow and look at how crappy the early CGI stuff was and how awful it looks Uh, Back then and then look and see where we're at today. And there's so much stuff going on in film that a lot of the special effects stuff, you didn't even know it was special effects. The um, the social network, for example, had a ton of special effects shots, not just replacing the the uh, the heads of the uh, the Winklevoss twins, but just so much set replacement, set extension, all this other stuff that you never see. But at the same but at the same time, I wonder, should we be doing this? I mean, look at Looper here. You had two really good actors. I'm not saying great actors, but you had two really good actors <laughs> and one of them was willing to put on some prosthetics to make him look vaguely like Bruce Willis and pulled it off to make it that they were believable enough to be young Bruce Willis, old Bruce Willis. I mean, look at Men in Black 3 with like zero prosthetics. You kind of believe that uh, Josh Brolin is yes. Yeah, Yeah. I think part of the problem that you're going to run into is that this is a very specific complaint because it only works with an actor who's been around for long enough for us to remember what he looks like. So a young Will Smith, you know, you can see that all day long in syndication. A young Michael Douglas. We've all seen War of the Roses. You know, we've all seen Michael Douglas films. What are the other ones? I don't know. Romancing a Banana. Whatever it is. Yeah. What's he in? Was he? He was in the streets of San Francisco. I'm yeah, gonna say streets that. of San Francisco uh, is his first big thing. Wall Street. 
Yeah, Wall Street. That's exactly where you're looking at it. So you have that young Michael Douglas occasionally in your head. Well, we had the same thing with with Kurt Russell in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where we had Very we much. have so much Kurt Russell from the time he was a little infant baby all the way oh, to yeah. today that we can pull that Kurt stuff Russell and we can was model on it. And, Gilligan's Island. Yeah, man. we can model it and move it and do all the other things that we that yep. we need to. But I think at this point, I'm I I think in short bursts it works, but yeah. maybe not for long form stuff. I feel like Nick Fury worked for me. I can't speak for anyone else because, I mean, what you find creepy is up to you. I mean, I watched uh, five seconds of Days of Future Past, and every scene with Colossus in that movie in HD just makes me nauseous. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where at Sam Jackson worked for me. Young Clark Gregg popping up here and there in Captain Marvel worked for me. What do you think, Rodrigo? Should we do it or should this just uh, should this be something that is uh, you've meddled in God's domain? No, 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 no. Especially in the shape that it has taken recently, where it's just that actor being de-aged. I think that's about the most um, like it, it's about the most proper way if you're concerned with basically copyright type situations. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, if Samuel L. Jackson Jackson shows up, they put a bunch of dots in his face and they turn him into a 20 year old Samuel L. Jackson. It's still Samuel L. Jackson making a paycheck out of his own image. So that's good. The real issue does become, you know, what happens when it's somebody else or, right. or whatever. And And having a live model as well does tend to make it a little bit better. I mean, in what, 2001, actually in. The year 2001, I remember watching, or 2002, I remember watching the first Spider-Man movie where you can see Tobey Maguire running, 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 running on a rooftop, and then he jumps and he turns into a sack of potatoes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just like like that, that human jumping it looks like the equivalent of where they used to like hurl a, a dummy down a cliff, and it would just, yep. you know, it's still, it's, it has like, it has elbows, yeah, you know, but it still didn't look right. And yeah, the same that's, thing. That's just always going to keep happening up until you know the the technology gets there, and you know it. Like I talk to plenty of people who are like, "Oh, that was CG," and I'm like, "How can you not tell?" And I think that's always going to be the case. You're always going to have some people where they're like, "Ugh, what is happening? What am I looking at?" Right. And some people are just going to run right past it. Well, this is actually a big thing that's going on right now. Um, is capturing your likeness rights whenever you do a movie and they want to come in and they take all these millions of pictures of you so they can create a digital double. It's actually kind of a big concern because of what has been around for decades now. You know, you get Fred Astaire dancing with a vacuum cleaner uh, type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, actors are concerned about this and motion capture art, uh, uh, martial artists are concerned about this. I forget which one it was, if it's Jet Li. Jet Li. Yeah, Jet Li is uh, in a big fight over this right now because... In order for him to be in a movie, they want to do motion capture of his performance so they can go in and do the digital enhancements when they need it to. Yeah, but the problem is then the studio owns those. They own Jet Li's technique. His choreography. Yeah, Yeah. they own his technique and he doesn't want that. And so that is a big thing that's going on right now. And I know that, you know, as the Actors Guild uh, gets involved more and more on this going forward. We're going to see a lot more of these digital likeness rights issues come up and be a big thing. And that always reminds me, every time this comes up, it goes back to a 2013 movie with Robin Wright, uh, pin Robin Wright in it, called The Congress, where she's an agent. She plays herself, Robin Wright, who is aging. And her agents come to her and say, we want to capture you right now as you are. So that you can continue to act, even though you will never do any of the acting, but it will be your likeness uh, up there on the screen. And and it talks about the consequences of this over the long time. Um, yeah. So I've, I've, I really need to sit down and watch this movie because it's the one that I talk about all the time because I know the plot of it, but I haven't sat down to watch it to see if it's any good. But yeah. uh, man, I, I don't know. Going yeah. back to the Gemini man. Regardless of the weird, creepy uncanny valley aspect of it anybody interested in seeing this movie no i mean i've already seen looper and i feel like this is going to be you know a tour de force all, all the fun will looper smith without the time travel. performance yeah 
you know, I don't, I don't feel the need to go see a Will Smith movie just to see Will Smith. And I think that's probably what this is about. But then there's also, you know, cable and I'll probably see it at some point. I mean, I've seen unfriended like four times. So I, I, but no, I don't. When I thought it was a remake of the ABC TV show I was in. Rodrigo, what what do you, what do you think? Uh, I mean, it's kind of not my jam in general. I didn't, I didn't even both like the, like I usually require a higher level of sci-fi nonsense to get interested in an action movie. Mm -hmm. Um, there's still so many born movies that I haven't seen. Mm. Um, born again. Yeah. Free. Yeah. Um, born on the 4th of July. Yes. All of those. Uh, and can you believe how good, uh, Matt Damon looks in Born on the Fourth of July. Oh no, man! <laughs> they did just like made that, it look like Tom Cruise. That guy doesn't age. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm I'm not super interested in it. Um, I mean, I kind of hope that there's more to it than what we've seen in the trailers. Um, you know, this a, a story like this, a story where you. In into the front door, you already have cloning. Um, allows for some real, you know, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits type, like mind screw situations. So I would hope that there's something like that here, other than just a straight up, like what are the who are the two coolest guys in Hollywood? Let's have them fight. Turns out they're both Will Smith. So just have Will Smith do the whole movie. Oh no! What's that? Yeah. What's that movie that's spinning out of? Uh, I don't. Is it spinning out of Fast and Furious? But it's like, uh, oh yeah, Sever yeah. versus the, X the or whatever and, it is. Uh, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, Hobbs yeah. and Shaw. It is not X versus Seven. That movie <laughs> no, Hobbs and Shaw with The Rock and Jason Statham, but and Idris Elba, right? It's like yeah, right? that, 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 I guess that one really was. Man. Who are the three coolest guys? Who are the two coolest guys in Hollywood? <laughs> now get us the third as the villain. Listeners, get us Jason Statham. Listeners, yeah. listeners, listeners, are you interested in seeing Gemini Man or Jiminy Man? I'll, I'll accept either one. Uh, head over Jiminy. to head over to <laughs> majorspoilers.com in the comment section for this episode. Let us know what you think of the trailer. The trailer is right there in the show notes. And uh, we look forward to reading your comments. In the meantime, we are going to get to some reviews. Reviews. Last week, West Coast Avengers dropped on our plate. And is this the last issue of the series? It is the last issue of West Coast Avengers, which is a bummer for me. Marvel keeps putting out these books that I really want to get attached to. And then they just sort of go whoosh right off the end of the pier. But at least this one had a fun run. This is basically the story of a super team led by Hawkeye featuring the other Hawkeye. So Kate is leading the group. It's got Hawkeye. It's got Kid Omega from uh, New X-Men, America Chavez, Gwenpool, and Hawkeye's new boyfriend. Uh, also Hawkeye's old boyfriend is in this too, because, uh, you know, he's Marvel boy and you gotta have Marvel boy written by Kelly Thompson art by Moy R who I'm not familiar with, but is really good. It's interesting because we have built up a couple of mysteries over the 10 issues. And what we have finally discovered is we finally discovered what happened to Kate Hawkeye's mom, who has been kind of absent from the series. She's a vampire, you guys. What? Yeah, that happens. Um, the whole thing about vampires, they thought they were breaking into a weird cult, uh, uh, like the Church of Happyology, but it turns out they're actually a vampire cult. Um, but this whole issue is just fun and breezy and people saying cool things and shooting things up and going pew, pew, pew with their telekinesis and their explosive things. And occasionally Ms. America kicking a hole in the universe, which I personally can't get enough of. Uh, I am mad about this issue and not about the issue itself. I'm mad because foolishly being me, uh, I was getting ready to finish my thing and I had read through twice as, as is my want. And I was getting ready to do a third thing. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what other people think. You know, first of all, never ask what other people think. Um, but apparently uh, certain people are happy that this is getting canceled because of, you know, uh, all sorts of nonsense and Marvel forcing agendas down our throat. And I'm like, but it's just a weird, fun book. It's just Hawkeye and Hawkeye and a bunch of goobers. And, 
you know, Gwenpool with the pink hair dating Kid Omega with the pink hair. And also they have a pet shark dog. It's like a corky, but also a shark. I feel like D&D Brian would love that. And the worst part of it about it is even if you enjoy this book, as I have, um, you know the rules of the Marvel Universe. Once this stuff gets canceled, you'll literally never see these people again. And if you do, they might as well be just different characters. So you have to appreciate the 10 issues that we got of West Coast Avengers. It's a fun book. It's a solid book. It's a well-drawn book. It's really fun to read. It's got a lot of really great dialogue. The bad parts of it, even the worst part of it, which in this issue comes down to the resolution of the big plot, because they kind of run out of room and they want to spend uh, you know, about a quarter of the issue going, hey, we're going to do the National Lampoon ending where this happened to this person and everybody's got this and you know, America has a new girlfriend and Kate's boyfriend is kind of crushing on Kate's ex-boyfriend and it's a whole thing. So the fight just sort of ends. Ah, vampires thing. You know, people are bitten. But it also ends right at the point where the team really gets established and they get their new headquarters and they're like, yeah, we're doing good. Wait, why are we? What? This can't be the end. And it is. And I'm very sad about that. But three and a half slices of meatloaf for West Coast Adventures number 10. It'll probably be the end of a really cool trade paperback here in about six issues or so. So. You know, you got that going for you, which is nice. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Rodrigo, you're all into the Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. I thought we were done with this game. I thought you reviewed it a long time ago. You've written a couple of articles about it up on the Major Spoilers website. But no, Smash Bros are back, and you're uh, going to let us know about this. Yep, that's right. Smash Brothers is the gift that keeps on giving. Hooray! If you got it from my uh, holiday gift guide. And if not, then... Foolish mortal, you have missed out. Uh, So uh, from the beginning, they announced that there were going to be five challenger packs, which are individual bits of downloadable content, uh, which you can pay for. They're about six bucks each. And the first one just dropped along with version 3.0.0. Um, which is a big update for the game as well. So Challenger Pack includes uh, the the big draw is that it has a brand new character that's playable. Uh, it's a Joker from Persona 5. If you played Persona 5, probably very excited about that. If you haven't, but you like uh, handsome, rakish anime boys, then you're probably also excited about that. Um, I've gotten a chance to play with Joker a little bit. Uh, it uh, he is very fast, um, has um, some some good good moves, good mix-ups, and, but most importantly, has a mechanic where uh, he sort of uh, powers up throughout the fight and then summons this uh, persona, this uh, other critter to fight along with him. Uh, which is largely just a buff to his moves. Basically, all of his specials get modified and his attacks hit a little harder and have kind of extended hitboxes. It makes for interesting play, both when you are playing him and playing against them, where sometimes you want to delay your tactics until the persona comes out. Sometimes you want to... uh, Sometimes the persona comes out and you as the opponent are put on a clock because if it hits you, you're going to uh, take a lot more damage, so you might try to play more defensively. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting space to look into. There are lots of characters that uh, get stronger, or there are characters that get stronger when you hit them. There are characters who have power-up mechanics in Smash Brothers, but this is an interesting implementation of it, just in the way that it shakes down. So I'm happy about it. I have never played... Uh, Persona, any of the Persona games, but uh, I would, after playing Joker, I'm actually a lot more interested. Uh, So that's one thing that uh, having your character be in Smash does for you, is uh, has you like stroke your chin and say, you know, I've never played Pikmin, but Mm -hmm. uh, Olimar keeps winning tournaments, so maybe there's something to that. Um, The other thing that comes along with this is uh, you get an additional stage, which is a Persona 5 stage. Um, which has the additional bonus. You also get like 
11 new music tracks from across the Persona series. Um, so uh, the fun thing about this new stage called Memento is that depending on which track you play, the stage changes color. So if you play something from Persona 5, it's red. Uh, if you play something from the previous installments, it's either blue or yellow, depending. I don't remember which one's which. Um, and uh, that's that's pretty much it. Along with that, there's a big patch that everybody gets, whether you bought the Challenger pack or not, and that's version 3.0.0, which has a bunch of kind of lifestyle or, or, or quality of life changes to the game. It's got buffs and nerfs to certain abilities that were too powerful or not powerful enough or whatever. Um, but it also comes with a few things, including a stage builder, which was present in the uh, Wii U version. And, and really, aside from maybe break the targets, is the last thing that um, this version of the game didn't have that previous versions have had, right? Smash Ultimate really has almost everything that was present before and, and now is pretty much there. Um, and the other thing is it has higher or, or a larger sort of community features within the game. So uh, you can take your uh, me fighters and share them. You can take your stages and share them. You can also take videos and share them. And I don't envy the mods that have to go through and take out all of the, uh, you know, butt and wiener shaped stages, oh. um, all of the ones with profanity uh, where the characters are fighting on, on, a, on you know, on, on an expletive. Um, as well as, you know, I, I don't know if they're taking down copyrighted material-inspired uh, me's. I know that I've seen like four or five different Peter Griffins. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but uh, I don't know. Is that your Peter know. Griffin left? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of that uh, going on, but also some cool, clever, interesting uses of the stage builder. Um, my favorite one so far, there used to be a stage in the previous version called Poke Floats, which got taken out. It, it didn't make it. That one didn't make it into the new version. So somebody made a, a new version of Poke Floats, and you can actually use the Switch's touchscreen to draw a new stage. So it's great because it's this like giant squirrel that you fight on, and it just looks so crappy. And it's just perfect right because it looks so bad where the original version was this like perfectly rendered rendered squirtle that would come up and you'd fight on this one just looks like a four-year-old drew it <laughs> um it, it's just really fantastic um, perfectly rendered squirtle is my band name yeah perfectly perfectly rendered. we just do the the original pokemon theme uh in in different styles pokemon yeah i guess that and the poker rap Yep. Um, so altogether, I'm going to give this four slices of meatloaf. Um, I think Smash Brothers keeps getting better and better. Um, I, I think sometimes $6 for a character that you might not even play seems like a lot. You know, obviously you don't have to buy it if you're not going to play it, but you kind of don't get to try it unless you buy it. You know, you can't rent the character for a while and see if you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. um, none of the new challengers have been announced yet, but I would imagine that an announcement for the next one is coming to start building up hype. Then again, Nintendo is notorious for announcing things like the day before they hit. Like, nobody knew when exactly this was going to hit until the day before. They're like, it's coming tomorrow, you guys. We already knew the Joker was coming. We just didn't know when. And then they told us 24 hours ahead of time and then their servers crashed because everybody jumped on to download it <laughs> uh, but yes four slices of meatloaf uh, if you're playing smash brothers and uh joker sounds like your bag definitely pick it up but the nice thing is if you don't like it you don't have to pick it up very nice thank you for that rodrigo out this week from dc comics action comics number 1010 brian michael bendis steve epting here's how i know brian michael bendis is loving writing Superman and playing with all of the DC characters, because as we know, there's the Leviathan is coming in and destroying all of the, um, 
secret agencies in the DC universe, Argus, DEO, Task Force X have all kind of fallen. This issue opens up with Director Bones, who was uh, present at the uh, fall of the DEO in the last issue. He's kind of like in a holding cell, kind of like freaking out because he's lost all of the people that work for him. And who should walk in the door to ask him questions but one Kate Spencer? Now, there's a name we haven't heard in about 10 years. The Manhunter. Remember that series where it was canceled? Everyone complained about how great it was and they wanted to bring it back. And DC said, OK, we're going to bring it back. And then it, it didn't do as well. And then they canceled it. And DC fans said, we want to bring it back. And they're like, yeah, no, you're never going to hear from Kate Spencer again. Kate Spencer appearing in the first pages of this issue. Or is it Kate Spencer? Because it might just be Leviathan undercover. But I still I, I like this. There's questions about Adam Strange. Uh, Bendis is just playing with all of the characters in the universe to the point where, if you remember how I was talking about issue 1009 uh, a couple of weeks ago, how Superman turned into, you know, grew facial hair and and a uh, and a weird kind of uh, curly hair going on, and he was this secret agent of Spiral, and Lois is also undercover as a former secret agent of Spiral, and they're in London. And they're starting to talk a little bit about the last time that they were under these disguises, because I don't ever remember them going under undercover as Chaz. And I forget what the other what Lois's undercover name is. Uh, Andy, Chaz Dottie. and Andy, Definitely Chaz Dottie. and Andy. And then uh, Superman's like, yeah, don't uh, Lois is like, oh, I can't remember the last time that we were using these secret identities. And uh, Clark or Chaz is saying Nemesis. And she's like, oh, yeah, Nemesis. And then all of a sudden there's this giant splash page that says DC Comics proudly presents Checkmate in the nemesis of my nemesis is my nemesis. And it's got Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific as the white cream. It's got the whole roll call thing that you would have seen in an old Checkmate uh, issue. And it's just one page, one giant splash page. And then we come back and Lois is like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was fun. And you get no other reference to what had gone on before with this. It was super crazy. And then there's also some great uh, conversations between Amanda Waller and Jimmy Olsen, who are down in the uh, Fortress of Solitude. And Jimmy keeps taking pictures of Amanda Waller and Amanda's like, would you stop that? And he's like, oh, you're like a super secret uh, undercover person. Uh, you're really Leviathan, right? And she's like, no, no, I'm not. Or is she? No, she's not. No, she's not. Tiger shows up, Tiger agent of Spiral. I don't know if that is a, a character from the past or not. But uh, there's a little bit of fights in, in Sue. A giant robot shows up and Superman blows it up in space. And uh, Superman says, I think I may have figured out who Leviathan really is. But then someone has kidnapped Lois. Or should I say Andy? And we're going to have to find out what happens next issue as uh, Leviathan revealed. Uh, this is crazy. I mean, for years now, we have seen DC silo its characters inside their titles where there's very little interplay with other characters. Like we never would have seen Manhunter show up in another comic uh, three years ago. You just wouldn't see these cameos and you wouldn't see these crossovers with all of these, uh, you know, this greater world of the of uh, the DC universe appearing in other comics. Yeah, you may get a mention here or there, but Batman gets siloed in the Batman books and Aquaman gets uh, siloed in the Aquaman books and Silo gets siloed in the Silo books. But here, it's like DC has given Brian Michael Bendis carte blanche to do whatever he wants with the greater DCU and he's bringing it into action comics and I really dig it. This feels like the days of of uh, the the 52, the weekly series, not the countdown to 52 or anything like that, but 52, where it was just like all these B, C and D list mentions of characters popping up here and there and doing things. And in fact, uh, speaking of 52, they for the last, I want to say four or five issues, they've been doing this big, big kind of splash page that has like, you know, Clark's desk with all these notes that kind of give you clues as to what's going on. And this week there's a. Uh, who is this giant monster thing that's attacking and someone scribbled notes all over the place? And is it Cobra? Is it who is Leviathan? Is it uh, Talia Agul? Who is all behind this? This is a fun book. This is really fun. Uh, I am really starting to get back into the DC universe thanks to Action Comics. 
I think this is good stuff. This is good reading. And I know some people don't like Brian Michael Bendis. There's a lot going on in here. There's a lot to read in here. There's a lot to, to take away from here. Art by Steve Epting. I talked about some of my problems with it. I, I don't know if it's some, and it's probably not even him. It's just some weird coloring and some weird shading going on in places. But I dig this. I dig this a lot. And I think you will too. I'm giving this four and a half slices of meatloaf out of five. It's Action Comics 1010 out this week from uh, DC Comics. There you go. Listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and you can check out a bunch of other reviews. A couple of Star Trek reviews going up today. A bunch of IDW stuff this week. Matthew even reviewed a Transformers uh, comic book. This is that weird reboot, right, Matthew? Transformers yep, number three. hard reboot. So, yeah, we're back on Cybertron four million years ago. And, well, I'm not saying that I don't know what's going on. I'm just <laughs> saying if you read the review, you should read you the also, review and then you'll be like, hmm. You also reviewed Farmhand from uh, Image Comics from Rob Guillory, oh, who did such um, a cr- creepy book. Chew. What was the Chew? Yeah, he did Chew. And so my youngest son was in my office the other day telling me about something. He saw the Major Spoilers website on there, and he's like, saw the graphic for Farmhand, the cover for Farmhand number one. He's like, Dad, what's that? And I said, Oh, I think it's, I think it's a fruit. And I said, Let's take a look at the full cover. And I showed it to him, and he looks at it, and he goes, That's an evil fruit. And I'm like, mm, You may not be wrong. You're going to have to read the comic mm-hmm. and find out. Listeners, you're going to have to read the review to find out. Majorspoilers.com is where you want to go. It's a kidney. Is it a kidney? It's a kidney. Yeah. It's a. It's an evil fruit. That's for sure. Yeah. It's not even a kidney bean. It's like a kidney. Oh, yeah. That's first they were growing hands. That's where yep. the farm hand came from, right? Yeah. Now that's why now they call it farm hand. Now they're growing kidneys. When are they going to start growing brains? They can they can grow entire people. Ah, in fact, that guy's dad came back, right? Didn't Green they, people. Didn't, didn't they grow that guy's dad back? Well, they haven't confirmed or denied that yet. Oh, okay. All right. Green people. Green people. Um, yeah. And I wonder when the flying purple people eater is going to show up when they start growing purple. Well, he'll starve because all these people are green and can't eat purple people. Hey, listeners, we could use your support if you enjoy these discussions, if you enjoy our reviews, if you enjoy our take on the comic (laughs) book industry. If you enjoy these discussions, what's wrong with you? If you enjoyed that just now, please. If you would, head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. We could use your help. A couple of bucks a month uh, kicked our way will help us grow this little thing we have uh, called major spoilers into a whole new territory. In fact, uh, we are getting close, getting closer to being able to take this and bring this to you live via the via the videos on the Twitch or the YouTubes. And uh, we can do that with your help. And you can check out and hang out with us every week when we record this show live. We can only do it with your help. And when we reach that next goal, find out more. Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. And you'll learn all of my fake curse words. Listeners, uh, I don't know if any of you saw The Adventures of Tintin, the Steven Spielberg uh, 3D movie that came out a few years ago. I thought it was cute. I know a lot of people were, you know, we were talking about weird Uncanny Valley stuff at the top of the show. A lot of people were complaining about that in The Adventures of Tintin movie. Uh, I rather enjoyed it. I like the voice actors in it. I think the I think the movie was good. I thought it had a lot of action in it. And what people didn't realize is that movie is based on two things, uh, two books from Hirsch, uh Tintin and the Secret of the Tintin and the Secret of the Unicorn, and uh, Tintin and the Treasure of uh, Chap Rackaway or whatever it is, uh, Captain Rackaway, Red 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 Rackham. That's what it is. (laughs) Red Rackham. Red Rackham. Rodrigo knows what I'm talking about. Um, But uh, yeah, so this book that we're reviewing this week, Tintin and the Secret of the Unicorn, covers the first half of that movie, or the first half in the last uh, 20 minutes of uh, of that movie. And I gotta say. From what I remember the movie, because I haven't seen it in a couple of years, this is pretty much spot on. And I think I reviewed the treasure of uh, of Rack Rackman. And I, I, yes, I think I mentioned at the time that I wrote the review up on major spoilers that this was very faithful to the movie was very faithful to that book. Uh, And so this week we're talking about Tintin and the Secret of the Unicorn. Tintin finds on his uh, his adventures, he finds a ship, a little model ship. And he takes it home, and all of a sudden, people are after him. People are trying to kidnap him. There is a secret piece of paper hidden in this ship, and it's going to lead people to a treasure. Lots of bonking on the head in this book, Rodrigo. Yes. Uh, That is something that even early on I noticed. uh, Everybody gets really hit in the head a lot. And, And, you know, 
sometimes it's like plot related, like a bad guy is trying to knock Tintin out, so he bonks him on the head. But sometimes people just like hit their heads for no reason, like just because it's funny, I guess. They're just like running down the stairs and they fall down the stairs and they hit their heads like Tintin, like early on, like hits his head on a drawer. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's for for no real reason other than it's probably funny when people get hit in the head or Eric Gay really likes drawing these like little stars that come out of people's <laughs> heads when they get hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Matthew, did you enjoy this story? I, I, I'm curious. I did. This is actually the first Tintin I was ever exposed to years and this, years this ago. This issue was? Uh, this story and the the first part of Red Rackham's Treasure. Uh -huh. uh, and I can't remember if it was like Boy's Life or Disney Magazine, but... Um, my grandfather used to go to the barber shop and you could find magazines and most of them were like boring golf magazines, Yeah. but occasionally you could find one that had just like one of these three panel tiers in it. And if you get enough of them, you could read the air gay stories. And I remember this tin tin story being really cool, serialized, and I really enjoy getting this bigger chunk of it, but also remembering, Hey, remember how cool this was? I'm like, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. It's under the dresser, Tintin. Yeah, it is under, under the, the dresser. dresser. That's, that's why uh, Snowy is barking at the, at the dresser, Tintin. Come on, man, pay yeah. attention. The other now thing why, that, why does Snowy talk again? I don't think we've ever can, established can that because we talk. He does. There's, he, well, there's it's, one instance in which it looks like Tintin is answering him. But it's like, if Snowy can talk, like Snowy figures certain things out, why isn't he telling people? I think right? maybe we as the readers can understand what Snowy is saying, yeah, it's but like maybe no one else situation. does. Because we, uh, we know that everyone else doesn't understand Snowy because when he's trying to explain, hey, 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 someone stole Tintin. Hey, hey, hey. Right. No one's like, what's this? You know, the captain is like, what's going on? What What are you saying, dog? And then the dog well, has the to go and run and do it. The captain is too busy inventing new invectives to yell at people. Well, the captain is too busy being drunk, which is the weird part about this, where there's a whole, the captain is off his rocker and drunk off his gourd and just and, turning and up his house. being a pirate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to go back really quick because you had mentioned, Matthew, that you read this in the three strip uh, version in, in mm -hmm. Boy's Life or whatever it was. Here's the yep. thing. And this is something that as people read this book. You may not notice it at first, but every so often you'll notice that, oh, every page has kind of a refresher panel and then a cliffhanger panel because this was originally serialized as a full page in the, the, in the newspapers. So you would read this as a one full page of um, comic. And right. sure enough, when you look at it, almost like in a webcomic form of people who post a page a day or whatever it is. That's exactly how this this issue reads. And it's fascinating to read that now in a in a book format and then to realize, oh, no, these were serialized per page per day or whatever it was in, in the newspapers. Page per day or page a week. And it's really amazing because if you if you just sit and admire the craft and I, I, I don't know how to pronounce RJ, so I'm just going to say Hergy. Um, but Hergy. Uh, the creator of Tintin has a really wonderful style where the characters are cartoony, mm -hmm. but they're also incredibly, you know, detailed cartoony. Right. And all of the backgrounds and the vehicles and the architecture is this crazy detailed, wonderful stuff. Uh, when, when Tintin is tied up and locked in the basement. Yeah. You keep seeing these, these just big scenes of brick wall. And I'm like, they could have cheated, but he has gone and drawn texture on the brick wall in every single panel. Well, even, the, even the pirate ship stuff is amazing. Yeah. The pirate ship is just incredible, but then you also get, I think the thing that really sells it for me is anytime you see an automobile, the automobile is like. It's true to life. It is like a photograph and it's not like rotoscoped or, or glued in there. It's just that well drawn. And I really appreciate, you know, that level of detail. Mm -hmm. And I love just moment after moment after moment. This is like pure comics goodness for me, even if you don't care about the story. And there are times when all of a sudden the Thompson twins come in and you're just like, I don't care. I'm just going to look at the pretty pictures. It's funny because in the movie, the pickpocket thing plays mm -hmm. out in a much bigger way than it does in this volume. But I think maybe in volume two, it 
it goes into a little bit more detail about who the pickpocket is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodrigo, though, maybe one thing, and I know you've talked about this before, and I don't know if it affected your enjoyment of this book or even if you enjoyed this book. Wall of text. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every, almost every panel has a lot of text, so much so that, you know, all of these panels are very small. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there is so much text that they have to wrap the text around the characters, right? Um, there's a lot of reading in this book. It's what, like 60 pages yeah, it's or, not very or around long. there? Yeah, it's like 83, like 80, pages. 83 pages, something like that. Yeah. 63, sorry. Yeah, when I sat down to read it, I was like, oh, well, this is only 60-something pages. I'm sure I'll get through it really fast. And then when I opened it, I was like, oh, no, I remember Tintin now. <laughs> um, there's, this is actually going to take me a while, and it did. You know, there's just a lot of text to get through. And sometimes you can kind of skim it um, mm-hmm. because, you know, there will be things. But... Uh, it's you know it's hard to tell when a clue is gonna drop and a lot of the comedy is just you know some of these walls of text is the captain is captain haddock throwing uh basically malapropisms at at whoever he's fighting or 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 yelling at and that's hilarious it's it's actually really funny to Mm -hmm. to see all that stuff so you kind of have to read it all it's not like a lot of old school marvel comics where you know that all they're saying is they're just describing their moves, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, you know, the, a character might actually drop something valuable uh, verbally and also literally. Yeah, there's a lot of slapstick, though, in this. Uh, and I think that's oh, where yeah. it gets the people getting hit on the head or people getting tripped or, you know, people uh, slipping on a bunch of uh, uh, abacus beads. Uh, but I think that's part of the the fact that this is something that was in the newspaper something that all ages were reading. And I think that, I think, I don't know. I think that gives a little bit of charm to this, this, this book or this today. You wouldn't see this kind of stuff in, in comics. Yeah. I mean, you see people getting punched, but you don't see Tintin picking up a phone and smashing a Butler in the head with it and having a little (laughs) twirly star come up. Or the, the Thompson's spending five minutes in the background trying to pull their bowler hats off. Right, right. That's that's one of the few parts of this that feels really purely of its time to me. That slapstick and the silliness just feels pure 1940s nonsense, late 30s nonsense. What is this, 42, 43? Oh, I'd have to double check and, and look. You may be right. I want to say this I'm one came out in like 43 because it was, it was during the occupation of Belgium. I know that. Um, but I don't know my history well enough to tell you what year that was, but there, most of this does not feel like it's dated or locked into a specific time frame, Even if you know, it is like a 1939 Chevrolet or yeah. everyone is dressed in a manner that just screams yeah, time period. 1942. Yeah. This, yeah. this ran from uh, June 11th, 1942 until January 14th, 1943 in Le Sueur magazine. Le Sueur. But the the story and the dialogue don't feel dated, locked into that time frame. This feels like it could be, you know, of a piece of an Indiana Jones story that you mm-hmm. get in the eighties, or mm-hmm. something that you get in you know the year two thousand and ten. What was that thing with uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, the Scorpion Sky game. Skycaper Skyscraper Yeah, the Skyscraper. That's what it was. Yeah, that was definitely a period piece. Yeah, um, but. <laughs> The thing about it that I really appreciate is sometimes when you're reading something of this vintage, you get hooked up in nonsense. And I don't know whether it's the translation into English or if it's just the way that this writer whose name I cannot pronounce without sounding like an utter fool, a buffoon, uh, writes. It feels very lyrical. It feels very fun. It feels very, you know, specific. Rather than saying this is 1943, this is like the year Tintin in the, you know, the epic of Tintin, the decade of Tintin in the century of Captain Haddock. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have just such a wonderful, I, although I will say one thing about the dialogue in a moment. You have such a wonderful ear for the dialogue and such a really fascinating voice for all of these characters that even if you're not into the detective story, if you're not into this, you know, proto pulpy adventure stuff, you can be drawn. You will be drawn into this story. You'll be drawn into the art and the writing. 
Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the art in this a lot. Uh, it gets a little wordy, as I agree with uh, Rodrigo. A lot of the stuff is just uh, browsable. Yeah. Uh, for some a lot of, of some it. of the wordiness is frustrating because the word balloons are clearly made for the French, mm-hmm. and mm. the English doesn't quite fit in the yeah, word balloon. Some, some of them so there's, there's a lot this of massive half empty word balloon, yeah. and I'm just like my, a line my and a half of empty space. Is like <sighs> yelling. Well, I think anyone today, especially a lot of letterers today, would just have a fit at looking at some of this and going, oh my God, you know, let's either back this off or, you know, make the word balloons to where the character isn't crowded down into the corner. There's a bunch of stuff when Tintin's down in the basement where there's so much text. He is literally just in every panel, he gets smaller and smaller and smaller in the corner as the text gets bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) They're having having to pull the metaphorical camera away to get all the text in the screen. I don't, so I enjoy this. Like I said, I enjoyed the movie and I enjoyed that it's an adaptation of this one and the, and the other book. Um, I did not enjoy this one as much as the, um, the lost cigar Pharaoh, uh, one that we read before the cigars of the Pharaohs. Cigars of the Pharaohs. That one's a little more racist though. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but whenever I think of Tintin, I think of these big sprawling adventures where he's going to foreign countries and foreign lands and, and doing all this stuff. And this one basically stays in his, in his, it stays in Belgium basically the entire time. Which is fine. Nothing, nothing against that. Uh, but it feels very, I don't know, it feels very small uh, when you know that Tintin goes to outer space and Tintin goes to Egypt and Tintin, well, we shouldn't talk about Tintin, goes Tintin to Africa. Tintin goes to college. Yeah. No. Um, we cannot talk no, about No, we can't ever talk about that one. Uh, but, you know, I, there's something about this one I didn't enjoy as much as, as other Tintin books that, that I've read. And I've got, the whole cole- I've got a whole collection of them. I don't know if I've got all of them. Um, I know I don't have Tintin in the Congo. Um, I don't know if they put that one anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you could find it if you look for it. So I don't know. Did you guys enjoy? I mean, I, I enjoyed this, but I don't think I've enjoyed it as much as some of the other books. And I, and I, comparison to what other Tintin stuff you've read, where does this sit, Rodrigo? I mean, I do feel that this one. I was surprised when I got to the end because it does feel small. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it was bad. I think that. Um, I, I'd say this one was up there. I think this one was much more kind of character focused rather than like, here's this, here are all these like new weird things. It's good to have this little mystery. Um, so I, I mean, I, I'm also not a huge Tintin fan in general. So there wasn't anything about this that really either offended my sensibilities or that I like slapped my, <laughs> uh, my e-reader and right. said, yes, this is the true Tintin experience. I just, you know, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. What about you, Matthew? I actually, I, I think for the exact reasons that you don't like it as much, I like it a little more. I like the fact that this feels like a very quiet, approachable, low-level adventure. This is like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to figure out a mystery of a treasure map. Yeah. And then we get to the end and they break the fourth wall. and They're like, come back next time and we'll actually, you know, go search for treasure. But I like the fact that this is all just back and forth interpersonal stuff. Oh, well, I broke the ship. Oh, no, there's a secret hidden thing. Oh, well, the other guy stole the ship. No, it was a third guy who's been stealing the wallets off of our idiot friends with the bowlers. I mean, it's it's very complicated, but it feels like a bottle episode of Columbo. Mm. And I mm-hmm. really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, this is very contained. It's almost intentionally constrained. It's like, you know. It's like when someone says, hey, I'm going to go write a children's book. And I'm like, great, go write a children's book. And they're like, in rhyme. Yeah. By adding that additional element, by, you know, keeping this down to earth and close to the vest and other metaphorical things, you know, the the wildest stuff in here is Captain Haddock's drunken hallucinations of being his ancestor, the pirate. <laughs> you, Pockamark, you, Gherkin, take that, you centipede. By the way, yeah. Captain Haddock is super John Cleese French. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to remember who was it? Nick. No, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg played uh, Thompson and Thompson. Right. Is it Andy Serkis who played? I'm trying to remember who played him in the movie. My precious. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Art, uh, Andy Serkis played uh, Captain Haddock in the movie. Oh, well, so, that's, yeah, that's and it's, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, if you haven't seen the movie, I would recommend seeing the movie. You may not like it in the end, but if you're interested in Tintin and the Secret of the Unicorn, 
you really need to get The Secret of the Unicorn and Red Rackham's Treasure mm -hmm. because those two go together. And it's a complete tale from beginning to end. And when you get to the end of Red Rackham, then you know, oh, okay, this is the adventure is complete. It started in The Secret of the Unicorn. It ends in the treasure reveal, which, you know, uh, hint, the big treasure has already been revealed. Uh, there's a there's another little bit that happens uh, in uh, Red Rackham's Treasure. But this is fun. I mean, this is a good book. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is, oh, my God, this is the worst Tintin I've ever read. No, it's just smaller and it's not the big adventure that I yeah. was that many people expect in a Tintin book. Uh, so I just it's want people to go. It's a typical Tintin. Yeah. Um, that being said, I highly recommend it. I can't, uh, you know, it's very, I think every European comic that we have reviewed on the show, I'm trying to think if there's any that we all just as a collective just were like, ugh. But I think every time we have well, reviewed, I think every time we've re reviewed European comics, I generally have a very positive reaction to them. In our defense, the way American comic book uh, industries are structured, it kind of has to be incredibly acclaimed and well-known and miraculously way over the top crazy popular for it to even make a dent in the American market and have us true. be aware of it. That so. is true. Although I was uh, ahead of the asterisk curve before everyone else knew about it. Yeah, I read the original EQ. I actually, I didn't. I, read, I didn't read an original French. My grandparents had gone to Germany and picked up a German translation of Asterix and Cleopatra and brought that home for me in like 1979 or something like that. Do you read German? I was, uh, at the time, they were going because my grandfather had fought in World War II and had done a lot of stuff right. in Germany. And so they were going back and uh, revisiting right. old stomping grounds, so to speak. And they were just bringing well, back souvenirs. But right. I did learn I was, little bits and pieces of German. Jerk. I was actually asking. Because no, I, I, did, I, I did get, because I was, I, you know, first of all, one of the great things about these comics, Tintin, Asterix, is if you don't want to read it, as we've mentioned a couple times during this discussion, you can skip over a whole page of Snowy running in through the through the woods or Tintin running through the mansion, bonking people on the head. And you don't have to read anything to know what's going on. And with Asterix and Cleopatra, that's the case. I didn't understand the German, but I knew enough to know what was going on. You know, Caesar getting mad is it's pretty clear that he's mad at these little Gaul, Gaul people. Uh, I ended up about a year and a half later, got a German to English dictionary and started to translate everything uh, yep. before the binding of the of the comic just completely fell apart and broke my heart. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Go go read some. Go read these in the original Belgium and and uh, and translate that, or go and get it in in German, or go get it in English. I'm I'm a big fan of Tintin, uh, even the bad parts of Tintin. Uh, <laughs> Tintin overall is is still really really good. Uh, Rodrigo, yeah. final thoughts on Tintin and the Secret of the Unicorn. Uh, it was enjoyable. It's hard to believe uh, that this is a comic from the 40s. There's just kind of a timelessness to it. Um, it, it really, I don't know, it's, maybe it's easy to believe that it's from the 40s because it's just kind of uh, just like this very, very classic story. I enjoyed it. I think other people would enjoy it as well. And Matthew, with you, what, do you, what, do you, what are some final thoughts on this one? Yep, this is a rush right out in a buying frenzy. And if you don't want to spend the money, I recommend going. And I'm almost certain that a university library or a loaning library, a lending library, will be able to get you a copy of this. And I yeah, do recommend can, looking the, at it. You can get this in electronic versions as well. We have a link here in the show notes to Amazon.com where you can purchase this in a Kindle version or a hardback or a paperback uh, version of this. Uh, again, if you use that link... It's not going to cost you anything extra. A little bit comes back our way. And it's just another way that you can help out Majorspoilers.com. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you can get this in a number of ways, including digital if you want to get it, I think, for like three or four bucks for 60 that's pages. Yeah, that's a really good deal. Uh, okay. Uh, anything else from anyone else? Anything that we missed in the discussion that you wanted to talk about? Let's be very French for the rest of the show. Okay. That okay. wraps it up for this issue. That's really bad. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we love your feedback. Oh, use the comment section at Majorspoilers.com to share your thoughts and reactions to this episode. Or, even better, send us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, if, uh, if you're actually still listening, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. That wraps it up for this installment of the Major Spoilers Podcast. We're going to be back next week. Next week, oh, Superman and Gen 13. 
What kind of craziness is this? You'll have to find out next week when we come back, because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your things if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care if they bring back Craven. Podcast is copyright 2019 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.